welcome to the snobby film feature just Let's kidding go. welcome to sweet film talk uh it's it, you know we're, we're gonna get into maybe some movies that people would consider snobby but i think if general audiences went and saw these they'd be like pleasantly surprised and entertained by them at least by one the other one is still a little bit snobby but uh, one of them i think a lot of people would really enjoy and we have two special guests that we will get on to our at sweet film talk we always start off talking about the favorite movie news and trailers and the favorite thing that we watched so we're going to do that with our new guests with our guests they're not new they've been on here a couple times um and then we've got a double feature for you again just a few weeks ago we did black adam and the rings of power and this week we're doing two movies that are equally as high in um uh uh reach and of discourse everyone has seen these movies of course just kidding maybe not uh it is tar by todd fields and the banshees of inishirin by martin mcdonough so we're going to review those two movies and then we're going to talk about the most overlooked new releases of 2022 this is theater and streaming and i would imagine by now most of these movies are available on streaming so uh we'll probably talk about where you can watch them or where you can get a feel of where you can buy them um at this point if you just search these movies on your tvs if you have a smart tv if you have your computer it'll tell you where you can watch them but without any further ado it is your boy the sweet keeks and who do we have on the other end um let's go orange jacket first then the other one why don't you introduce yourselves i'll keep the the surprise going hello hello this is nick frazier um Things are good. I've been I've been good. It's been a while since I've been on, so happy to be back. Very happy you are back. Yeah, it's a good time, especially to talk about these two movies. Mm-hmm. I want to lead into anything too early, but excited to be chatting these two movies. Yes. And then who else? Who else is here? It's me. It's Spencer Davis, uh, everyone's favorite snob, back here to complain about things. Actually, not uh, really, because these movies are awesome. My favorite, so. Spencer. I'm putting I'm putting an <laughs> over under in my head about something, so we're gonna see how long it takes, or if it ever happens. So I already I know what it is. Okay, so I'm gonna try really hard not to do it, <laughs> and it can't be just me bringing it up right now. I'm just gonna throw this in. It's gonna be two ten and a half minutes. I'm taking the under that we say something organically about Marvel or DC. <laughs> <laughs> So whoever's listening right now, keep a keep a look at your uh, at your at, at the timeline and see see if we see if we hit the over or the under. Hold on, I'm not going to do it. I have discipline. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. Can we pause for a second? I need to update my fave movie news. That here. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Um, Spencer, why don't you let us know what you're? Well, let us know what you've been up to. <laughs> uh, just the usual. Uh, um. We got our daughter is seven months old now. We did a great family Star Wars costume, but more importantly, at school I was post Malone, and I'm still kind of riding that high because kids who don't even know me at school are like, "Hey, Posty in the hall," and I just kind of I feel really good about myself right now. It was it was very good. Thank you. <laughs> like when you when you had mentioned to me that you were going to do it, I thought, oh, that that's like a fun idea. That'll be that'll be pretty good. And then you sent the picture, and it was like it was like eighty percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I ask were the tattoo sleeves custom like alone <laughs> sleeves, or were they just like tattoo sleeves? No, they were just random ones we got online. And I actually 
there were only two that I could wear because so many had like half naked women on them. And so I had to find the ones that were just like fire and violence instead, you know? Great, great content from middle school. Mm-hmm. Yep. Su- surprisingly, probably more appropriate. Weirdly <laughs> enough. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, very exciting. My I was a uh, agent Dale Cooper, and no one knew what it was. No one understood the costume. I gave five points of extra credit to whoever guessed what I was from, and no one knew. Not they didn't couldn't even give me a guess. So um, I, I think I'm gonna have to reevaluate my costume next year. I wanted to be who I wanted to be. I don't want. I don't want to like. Yeah, you know what I mean. Have any of your students watched Twin Peaks? No. I mean, considering I was 29 when I watched it for the first time, okay. I, yeah, that but makes... I know that a couple of them, I have some of my students in video one that you, you meet them and you're like, oh, like you, you're, you're going to watch, a, you're going to do a lot of stuff with movies. You like movies. And I knew they were like, I know what it is and I have not seen it, but I want to see it. Kind of that, that was me in high school. I had definitely heard of it, but I hadn't watched it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Nick, why don't you why don't you tell us what you've been up to, huh? Give us the rundown. Well, I didn't have anyone fawning over any creative costumes that I put together. <laughs> um, we went as I, I have a one year old son now, um, and he went as a ladybug. Um, it was adorable, so we went with it. Um, no, no real reason to have gone as a ladybug, but then I went as a bug catcher. So, no, the well, reason well, is that it was freaking cute. That's the reason. Yeah, it, it was definitely a cute costume. Got the yeah. little hood with like the little antenna and the little eyes on it. So, um, and we are actually expecting another baby next year. Is this a live reaction from? <laughs> Have you already announced this? I feel like you already announced it. <laughs> um, not really. I'm kind of I'm off social now. This is I guess that's what I've been up to this year is slowly cutting all ties from social media to, I don't know focus on what's around me i don't know no real good reason but yeah i haven't really announced it anywhere so yeah we're having another kid doing january you heard it here first everyone yep <laughs> breaking news <laughs> what a, what an incredible announcement live on sweet film talk uh, a baby announcement from one of our co-hosts how does Shockers. that now, now what are what are immediate reactions to we have one now we're gonna have two well <sighs> With the first being so young, the the most immediate reaction when we found out was a panic attack, like full blown. So we had to really wrap our heads around it. But you know, we'll. Uh, I guess we're we're keeping a long term perspective. Everyone we've talked to that has kids that close together says the first two years, three years are just absolute chaos, craziness as you'd probably expect. But then after that, because they're so close together, they get to be really good friends. So it's a, it's a good time. So Nick texted our, we have like a little dad text group and he texted us and he's like, guys, I have news. And both of us, it was me and Tim. who's been on here too. Tim. We both were just like, you got to be freaking kidding me. Like we both just started like screaming in text form. Like you're pregnant again because we couldn't believe it. Yeah. So. <laughs> I, uh, you know, congratulations. And maybe, you. It's, you know, maybe it's not going to be as crazy as you think. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe Theo just, uh, he gets with it. He pulls up his, his diapers and he kind of pitches in a little bit. Well, you'll recall right before we started taping, Theodore has unlocked 
temper tantrums and that's leading into the baby's due date so i mean i'll hold my breath i'll cross my fingers i'll have very calm all right buddy let's focus you got this no more temper tantrums but i'm i'm not i'm not too hopeful but we'll see i think it'll be good you used the word unlocked spencer what what is this a a purely dad thing is this a what what why did the word unlock come to your mind nick and spencer the reaction <laughs> it's a uh, role playing gamers like finally coming into parenthood i guess <laughs> gamers have been parents before but it's always been like platformers you know kids who grew up in like the 80s mm-hmm. but i don't know but now we now we see it as our our little babies like it's like oh they leveled up they've gained a new ability they can now throw a temper tantrum or they now poop solid you know just all kinds of exciting stuff but instead of being able to like like transform or use more magic or be more powerful they just kind of get um like oh, more they, annoying they get more powerful they definitely get more powerful and some yeah. of the some of the developments are really great like when a baby holds the bottle for the first time and feeds itself yes. that's, like, oh. that's like a top tier development I wonder it would be it would be very fun. Wouldn't it be cool if you could just take your baby to like the baby store every month or every week and they provide you with new like power ups so that, you know, it's like, oh, you get this one. But also, just so you know, you're going to get this crappy one instead of it being so random, maybe. Would that help? Yeah, I think so. We we actually Brianna and I have this app we use called the Wonder Weeks and it like tracks their where they're supposed to be developmentally and it has these lists of like the new abilities that are coming in the next couple of weeks. But then it's also like your baby's going to be crying a lot more. Your baby's going to stop sleeping through the night again, like all that kind of stuff. So your baby has learned the concept of hatred. And is applying (laughs) it directly towards me. (laughs) And contempt. Very exciting. Um, You know, our dog puked in our bed this week. So I totally understand a, what it's like. Is that a new ability that just unlocked that? Keep- no, he just likes to eat a lot of wood chips in the yard. And so when he does, he comes in and he just kind of like pukes everywhere. <laughs> well, this is probably not, uh, I'm not going to get into details, but that, that sounds like something that I would not like. So, yeah, <laughs> but I guess, I don't know with the inevitable, you know, moment when I become a father, assuming I do, I don't, maybe I'm a little bit used to it. Eh, the dog sleeps in bed with us. I don't know. I don't know. Very fun, though. Very good. Y'all are fathers. Uh, it's it's very interesting, very cool to see y'all be fathers. Um, I w- I'm going to have a question for us probably after we reviewed these, these movies. Since to give some background, me, Nick and Spencer were all roommates along with our friend Tim, who lives in Florida in college. And um, we had some movie snobbery moments that that I think kind of brought us all together. Um, going to go see Cabin in the Woods. Texting each other over Thanksgiving break about seeing the Muppets movie, stuff like that. So uh, I, Tim will yell at us. He lives in North Carolina now. So he doesn't live in Tampa anymore? He moved a few weeks ago. Oh, wait. Oh, maybe so bad got, friend gotta, might have announced it, but I, I just. We got to get our facts correct, you know. I mean, if he actually loved movies and went to see Tarn Banshees, he could come here and give that as his update. So he could, exactly. yeah, he could retort me for doing that. um tim you know you're you're missed we we enjoy your presence on the last time and i'm sure we'll get you on here soon so let's get into it 
My favorite piece of movie news or trailer, of course, is the new Avatar Way of Water trailer. I was sitting and I was sitting getting ready for school and a student walked in and was like, hey, did you see the new Avatar trailer? And I stopped what I was doing for all of my class prep and I watched a three minute long trailer, got some goosebumps, got some chills. Did you all watch it? Do you have thoughts about it? I haven't watched it. I haven't seen it either. So <laughs> we, we've got some takeaways. Uh, yeah, I'm curious Spencer to see. Attest. Huh? Spencer can attest. I As soon as I decide I'm seeing a movie, I don't watch any more trailers because I think trailers give away so much these days. Um, when we were at Tar last week, a trailer for Banshees came on and Nick covered his ears and eyes. So. <laughs> that was TC with the uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer last year. We went to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife and he refused to like see or do anything with it because there was a new Spider-Man trailer out. <laughs> do it. It gives away too much, you know. I, you know, I, I, I watch the trailers for the big movies because I feel like you can kind of already expect what's going to happen, anyways. But for stuff like Tar, Banshees of Inisherin, I don't think I saw any trailers for them. It's mainly just like, oh, I'm aware this movie is coming out. I'm excited, and I don't really watch anything for it. Yeah, usually I won't sit there and cover my eyes and ears in the theater, but Banshees was like one of my most anticipated movies this year. So I was just like, I'm not messing around with this one. I want to see this one like in the theater so and we'll see if it the was first, worth it yeah definitely but the first avatar trailer is like the perfect one right just some like kind of putting out the vibe of the movie like you get some of the shots of the water you get reintroduced or refamiliarized with the world like that's that's the perfect trailer for me so i'm uh there's I'll a watch the second one just for you there's a big change from the first teaser to this trailer that I'm like kind of confused about. When you see it, you'll know. You'll be like, oh, what happened to this one character? They seem to be gone. Um, we have announced that Sweet Film Talk, our Sweet Film Meetup, our third Sweet Film Meetup, the first one we did was Knives Out. The second one we did was Ghostbusters Afterlife. The third one is going to be, it's it's going to be a big one. It's IMAX 3D Avatar Way of Water, probably that Friday night to go see it, which I believe is, let's just, you know, let's just, I think it's, it's I know it's December, Let's see, Avatar Way of Water release date. It is December 16th. So the week before things Christmas break. So that'll be perfect for me and Spencer. Just kind of ease us into that Christmas break. I think it looks awesome. Everyone already knows for the last few weeks uh, since I saw Avatar, the re-release in IMAX 3D, I'm all the way in, all the way in on Avatar 2. Three hours and 10 minutes, very excited. Very, very excited. Um, okay, uh, Spencer, do you have favorite news, favorite trailer, favorite anything like that? I'll go quick. I got three things. So mm -hmm. when we saw Tar last week, these trailers were back-to-back, -back, which I found fascinating. So there were trailers for Women Talking and She Said, both of which I'm excited to see. But also, those are, like, right up my wife Leah's alley, too. Because a lot of these movies, she's like, whatever, go see them. But those are two where I'm like, I know I'm going to see them with Leah, so I'm like extra excited. But easily my favorite bit of movie news is uh, artist Joe Russo talking about Hercules and explaining that it's going to be inspired by TikTok. Does this count as Marvel? You know, I even if it does, we are at 13 minutes. So it's okay. <laughs> we've hit so the over so if any of y'all bet the over <laughs> congratulations i bet oh, the under i was wrong 
Um, okay, <laughs> thoughts. Well, what 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 first ran through your mind when you read this piece of news? That's the dumbest thing I've ever read. That was what went through my mind. Yep. Same. Like I don't inspired by TikTok means nothing. That's just like get attention. Like there's no way that could possibly mean anything. Nick, what do you think? I'm just googling how old he is. <laughs> <laughs> this grown man who's made they've made some some good comic book movies. They made some great episodes of Community, and then just hear them say, you know, basically we just want to listen to the algorithm. That's all I hear when people say we're going to do TikTok. Is it's well, algorithm, you, like analytics-based movie? Actually, let me say what I free. think. This is what I think. When someone says a movie is inspired by TikTok, I my mind immediately starts thinking about like the emoji movie. That's that's yeah. where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, well, I age terribly. I, I can't remember where this take is from, but it's not original, so I apologize to the world at large. But uh, someone was just talking when when this news came out. They were just saying like people act like young audiences don't want to engage with full feature length original ideas. And it's just wrong. Like, Oh, I kind of said that. In our, that in was our Kamiko. Group. Was that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In our group chat. Yeah. 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 yeah I'll let you give that take. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really upsetting to me to see creators talk about like, we need to make movies like more engaging for students or like, you know, like more engaging is kind of like to pander to these younger crowds. I have kids in my, like video classes who are like enthralled by no country for old men and where there will be blood. They're like, they're like, they are like yearning for stuff like this for like, like substance. They don't care. Like they enjoy and they like to have fun, but they're still grownups. Like they have adult palates. Why are you dumbing things down for so many kids that like want to see something cool? I'm showing a lot of my students interstellar right now and their minds are just being blown by like, oh my gosh, like big movies can be cool and like exciting and fun and kind of slow and dramatic. It's very cool. And the Russos are just kind of the antithesis to everything they want. Do you think it's because uh, the gray man was kind of, it didn't perform like they wanted. And so they're like, whatever, we're just going to throw it to the algorithm. Dude. I mean, I mean, even that one was so it's like they took a half step to the gray man and now it's just like, OK, we're going to make a TikTok movie. I don't know. <laughs> it it feels to me that like they didn't understand why the gray man didn't work. They're just like, oh, it like wasn't TikTok enough. Not that like there was nothing interesting about it. I guess Maybe. my thing is like they're welcome to do the dumbest decisions possible because everyone's going to go see it. So true. Whatever people go see these movies. So I laugh at that, but I know they're going to make money. So uh, I don't know. Especially if they use the music from the animated Hercules movie. Yeah. They're gonna make money. It's going to do just fine. I will be there to go see it. Cause I go see, I saw Pinocchio this year that just yeah, goes you see, to show. you see everything. And I, get jealous all the time mm. oh i'm very excited to announce well nick you 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 go here you give us your movie news okay you know? I, I hate no. to have just spent so much time talking about um 
this is kind of a corner of negativity right now, but um, my favorite movie <laughs> is, <laughs> is uh, they they just announced that Fantastic Beast Four is not in production. So <laughs> this is our triangle of sadness right now. We're not reviewing yeah, it, but go. it's just <laughs> a big a pivot today into our triangle. Oh my gosh! Um, just... Okay, so, I, I love I love Harry Potter. I I thought they were fine movies, but it's just like. I think they just went the complete wrong direction with them. They they could have been such fun Indiana Jones style, like going out into the world to find like this one rare species. And instead they're these like world scale politics Armageddon movies. Like you, you have Dumbledore and Grindelwald fighting and they're trying to have the same stakes as the original Harry Potter movies. And then it's like, okay, now it's Newt Scamander coming in to save the day. It just doesn't, I don't know. I, I just think they took it the wrong way. It's pretty hard to make a villain iconic when they're played by a different actor every movie. That also contributes. <laughs> yeah. uh, as a side note for Colin Farrell, I was shocked in that first one when it was Johnny Depp. Because I was like, Colin Farrell's great. Why would you Dude, do I was, this? I was so mad when it switched. I was like, why? He's perfect. He's awesome in it. Do you think that's why he took the penguin? <laughs> Because he was so excited. He's like Henry Cavill. He was so excited to be the Witcher and they ruined it. So he left and now he's Superman again. Yeah. Except for he <laughs> just wants to be, Brothers, he just so. wants to wear cable knit sweaters in the Banshees of Inishirin with Colin Farrell. <laughs> That's all Colin Farrell wants to do. Did you see the news though that they want to make more Harry Potter movies? Yeah. Like with Harry Potter, the character? Yes. Um, I didn't hear that second part. <laughs> Come on! I saw it just a couple days you know, ago. There, there, there are worse. They're definitely worse. Um, what's it called? Universes. To, yeah, universes. So, I mean, I've just said this. Just, just give us a Hogwarts series. Give us a Hogwarts series set in the eighties. There you go. Kids will eat it up. Every kid at my at at school, and I'm sure Spencer can agree with this. They love Stranger Things. If you just do Stranger Things at Hogwarts, that's it. That's all you need. Do do wizards like Madonna? Do they listen to Michael Jackson? You know what I mean? Like, or are there <laughs> wizard artists that they like? I've been saying this for like two years. It feels like just give us just give us Harry Potter in the '80s. Just give oh, us know, students at Hogwarts. You know they they have their own wizard bands. Remember the Yuletide Ball and the oh like, yeah one that comes in and they're all losing their minds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, give us stuff like that. I don't know why they keep trying to make these big scale movies when like we all just want to see him hanging out at Hogwarts. Or I do. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe that's why they don't do it. Yeah, I, I think there's a. I, I hate to say take something out of the theaters and take it to a series, but I, I I'd be curious to see what that looks like. I think. I think they haven't done it right. There haven't been any Harry Potter TV series. No, no. Unless you count the Harry Potter puppet pals. <laughs> Ever watch this? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think okay. they just need to start over and remake all of them. Oh, I think it's gosh. been long enough. Just follow the Sony route, you know. Oh, jeez. Well, it has been ten years. Yeah, and I think uh, like. Tom Holland is as a uh, Dumbledore, as very young Dumbledore. D Tom, no, no, in like Sorcerer's Stone, and then Chris Pratt can be Snape. 
You should be a casting director. Wow, you're you're nailing these right now. Thank you. I, I wish everyone could see Spencer's just face of death. Just like as each piece of movie news comes, it's just like a death eater or no, a, a dementor sucking Spencer's soul out. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, I think it's a little negative. So I'm instead of saying Fantastic Beasts Four is not in production, I'm going to make up news and say. Hey, I just heard they're going to make a new Fantastic Beasts in 10 years, but model it after Indiana Jones and just kind of live in this fantasy world over here. So very cool. Excellent. We're we're all looking forward to it. Okay, Spencer, what was the favorite thing you watched this week? Oh, dude, uh, I was on my own this week. My wife and daughter were traveling, so I watched a lot. So Utah Valley uh, Film Festival. The what? I went to that last year. I had some friends enter it. Oh, is that actually a festival? Sorry. Was... Yeah, it is. It just happened this week, too. <laughs> the, the Spencer Davis Utah Valley Film Festival. Was oh, yeah. Wow. You were, like, kidding. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, that's... Uh, yeah, the only, like the Utah the only attendees are me and my bunnies. That's it. So, um, I watched Punch Drunk Love, which we were all watching as part of our fun club wheel, which was excellent. That's a great one. And uh, I also watched Weird, the Weird Al movie. And I, I've been a fan of Weird Al like my whole life. I discovered him when I was in middle school. And I love telling people this. When I got my first MP3 player, I just loaded it with Weird Al. And that's it. And I would listen to it at school. And I'd be like, you guys, you got to listen to this song. It's so funny. And then I'd play it and the kid would be nice. They'd be like, that's pretty funny. Do you have anything else on here? And I'd be like, yeah, other Weird Al songs. <laughs> Yeah, but it's more this. You go back to the menu, click artists, and it's just <laughs> the only artist on the entire iPhone. Weird Al, weird, uh, per, weird quotation marks Al, weird yeah. dash Al. And I thought, I thought I'd like. I don't listen to him that much anymore. Like I thought I'd kind of grown out of the the silly humor, but that movie had me rolling. I thought it was so funny. For it's like. It was like right on my level for just dumb humor. It's a great companion piece to walk hard. Oh, good um, double feature. Yeah, because like they're basically the same thing, but lots of different jokes, and they both are really great. Mm. I'm very excited. I tried to get the, the Roku app on my computer or on my my TV, and like it wasn't compatible. So I have it pulled up on my computer right now, and I will watch it. It's it's short. It does not waste your time. Like they made it in like sixteen days, and they don't really care if you can tell. It's just <laughs> deliver the jokes and get out. We love an efficient movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what did you watch? I watched a lot in this last week. I'm very um, cyclical. Like I'll not watch a movie for like three weeks, and then I'll watch seven movies in three days. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week was one of those weeks and I actually not a movie, but it, it, it's kind of like a, a short series. I watched uh, over the garden wall. Oh, cute. Which mm. is perfect for, I, I started it with the lead up to Halloween and then I finished it just this past week. Um, super, super fun little, I guess, mini series. Um, it's cartoon network. It's about uh, a boy named Wirt and his little brother, Greg, um, as they, well, I won't give the ending away, but they're they're trying to find their way home through the forest, and it's set in like pastoral colonial times. So they're kind of winding their way through this really weird forest. So super I watched fun. like three or four episodes, and I was just like lost the whole time. 
I just like was not on the wavelength, but I know so many people who love it. Yeah, it's a uh, the the story was pretty good. Like I, I liked the story. I didn't really have any issues with it, but it, it's definitely you, you have to show up for the one liners from Greg, the little brother, and just kind of enjoying the animation and the the little world that they keep hopping through. It's yeah, the the first few episodes are pretty disconnected from each other. Hmm. I watched one episode. I don't remember which one it was, but I liked it. I thought it was very whimsical and very fun. Whimsical is the perfect word. It's I, mm-hmm. I think um, it's not really. It's technically a Halloween show, um, but it's yeah. not super spooky. So I, I think it is even good for like a, a Thanksgiving. That that's something I'm always kind of on the hunt for. Is like I, I've got so much Halloween October content, but then you get into November and. I love the holidays all the way from the end of September through the end of the year. So I love movies as well. So I'm trying to like kind of match those, those vibes together. Um, and so this was, this is a good one. I think I'm going to put it down in November moving forward. So yeah, that's my favorite watch. Okay. I, uh, you know, I'm, my favorite watch is going to be something that I think is kind of funny. It wasn't necessarily a favorite watch, but just kind of insane that it got made. And it was a mini series called the watcher. Um, <laughs> Uh, Netflix Ryan Murphy which is so fun like I don't know how often he's making stuff it's like two months ago he came out with that Dahmer show like Freaking all the time is he just always working on things which is why all of them are just mid all the time because he's working on five things at one time so whenever all these Taika YTT projects come out they're all just gonna be you know okay to mid projects um but basically the watcher is a based on a true story about people that move into this new really nice house and it kind of gives off this vibe that the house lures people to it. And then there's some sort of watcher writing them letters, telling them to, you know, I'm watching you and take care of your family, blah, 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 blah. And it's an unsolved mystery. And there you go. I just saved you six hours. Don't waste your time going to go see it. Uh, I watched the first first episode and it's an hour of, awkward interactions with neighbors Mm -hmm. so if that sounds unappealing don't don't watch it yep and if it sounds appealing there's a movie for you this year that maybe (laughs) there is there (laughs) is we can quench that thirst for you um yeah the watcher is a d spoiled for me it is not worth your time um go check out the your backyard and a park near you and take a nice walk with your family don't waste your time with The Watcher or um, go to the movies and t- see one of these movies that we're going to talk about. Uh, the Watcher was just bad. Spencer watched a few things weird, and you also watched Punch Drunk Love. And then Nick watched Over the Garden Wall. Anything else? Also watched Punch Drunk, Punch Drunk Love. Um, much funnier than I expected. So, it's Oh, good. Way more stressful than I expected. Okay. So I've been watching, I've been trying to watch all the Paul Thomas Andersons this year, and so the two movies that precede this one that he released were each three hours long, and I got to this one expect I like had my lunch in front of me, I had my drink, I was comfortable on the couch, I was like, all right, click, let's go, three hours, and I literally gasped out loud when I realized it was an hour and a half. So one of one of the more accessible PTAs, I'd say. So definitely. I heard that his opinion on Magnolia is he even thinks it's too long. Um, yeah, it, it's long, but that ending is 
<laughs> it's good. I liked Magnolia a lot. So, okay, I'm excited to watch it. I'm excited. I, I'm gonna get to punch drunk love. I gotta watch it this week. I will get to it this week. Um, our first review right now is written and directed by Todd Fields. The movie is called Tar. It is about Maestro Lydia Tar, who's a giant in the composing world, and it's a look at her life and her influence on those around her, whether it's for good and for bad, and where that leads her to. I'm gonna say it right now. Both of these movies, this one. One of the best movies of the year. It's in my top three best movies of the year. One of my favorites of the year as well. I think everything about it is so deliberate and it's so meticulous. And it's just very much like the other side of the coin of everything ever all at once. Where that is this really fun, visually engaging creative story with fun moments this is kind of the opposite but still the dialogue is so it's so rich and it's so tough to understand sometimes but it does keep you engaged as you're so interested in these characters interacting with each other it almost felt like for me being a fly on the wall for this elite world that like i'll never understand and getting kind of a glimpse at what it would be like to be in this classical like snobby world that Lydia Tar exists in. So uh Spencer, what did you think of Tar? Um you put it really well. I don't have much to add. It's incredible. I think it might be I think I have it as my number one of the year for now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to watch it again anytime soon because it's it's uh hard to watch sometimes and it's long, but I love it. It's like I think something that stuck with me is the way it portrays classical music and the culture around it and like you said this elite group and what it would be like to be in that group i found it extremely unappealing overall i was like ew, i don't want to be part of this group it's very the elitist nature of it um but i doing band in high school and stuff like i have like the barest minimum of experience to like understand a little bit of it and um seeing like them doing auditions and then practicing and getting yelled at by a conductor, like gave me a little bit of like anxiety because I'm like, Oh man, I've been there. I don't like that. It blows my mind that people do that their entire lives. Uh, but one other thing I took from it is that there's this really funny little like subplot where Tar is trying to create her cover for her record. because She's <laughs> doing a symphony. And so she keeps looking at records that other famous conductors made. And it was this really funny commentary to me on how like classical music is like, I think it's great and it has a place, but it's kind of like a dying culture. And it's, and like everything she does is not original in the slightest. Like everything is something that's been done before. It's just that she got the, the, the orchestra to hold a note a little longer or something. Mm-hmm. And so, it's like this crazy critique of like being an elitist, being uh, a capital A artist, being in classical music. Like the list just goes on. It's crazy. There's a there's a scene when she meets the the soloist who comes from Russia, hmm. uh, where she's like, "Oh yeah, that that's your favorite composition of that piece. How interesting! Wh- which record did you hear it on first? And she's like, "No, YouTube." <laughs> watches on youtube and she it like breaks her brain she's like how are you i don't think maybe perverting is the wrong word because she's anyways the the relationship is important to her and 
um she's still respectful but it just like totally breaks down the way that she thinks about that world and it's interesting i also just realized as you were talking about that that the scene where she's throwing the record covers on the grounds that this is like one of the first scenes in the movie <laughs> i i had forgotten the scene or i just haven't thought about it again but in the moment it feels very important this is part of her creative process she's like very aggressively putting this record cover here, this record cover here, casting others out of the way. And she's just trying to find something to model her own record cover. After. <laughs> I, I just barely connected those two things. It's not like some grand symphony that she's rearranging and getting ready to perform. It's just, she's being vain. It's interesting. Well, yeah. Cause like her whole She's got this air of like she's the greatest in the community. She's so above it all. But like the whole time, you know, like the amount of people that care or even notice what she does is so small. But she has this, she definitely has this attitude of like everyone should know, but they don't because it's a niche. Like, I mean, the neighbor's family, right? Yeah, they have no they're idea just, who oh, she thank is. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And they're like, no, that's not where I work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's like, but just even talking about it, I get overwhelmed because there's there's so much to discuss. It touches on so many things so well. And this song that she's repeat that she's receiving. There's so much talk about like how people receive art and how things are found. And she talks about how the she is kind of uh, part of how she got so famous was she worked with these indigenous these indigenous people in peru and how they kind of receive these songs is that they just sit there and then they start singing and the way that she receives song is exactly how she like has gotten to where she is is it's just through the influence of other people and other sounds around her like it's not anything that she thinks up it's the sound of the fridge it's the sound of the siren it's the sound of just like the metronome outside of in her studio it's not anything organic it's all things that already exist before that she's trying to build off of mm -hmm. and it's all even like so so the it eventually and what I appreciate about the movie so much is is Tar is an interesting person and she's kind of a cool influence being an EGOT winner. Congratulations in good company <laughs> with uh Whoopi Goldberg as well. I'm I'm shocked they didn't mention Whoopi Goldberg's name amongst the EGOT winners. But um she eventually kind of gets exposed for being this monster and this person in the community and something that i thought was so funny is as soon as she gets exposed is it's like there's a big group of people running around to protest her and i thought is this kind of a commentary on like how much we would not care about this if this actually happened <laughs> like some some you know what i mean in the movie it's showing you what happened but in real life no way yeah. it's still terrible like we should be outraged that like something like this is allowed to happen in the music world but we'd be like oh that's that sucks and would just keep scrolling through twitter and refresh the timeline yeah i was thinking about it while i watched it like if this actually happened where where would i find out or where would i be and it's like at one point they show like uh, the new yorker or something posted like an article about this lydia tar and how she's got all these allegations and i'm like that's the first thing I would have heard. Like if I was, if this was real life, I would have seen that article and I probably would have become obsessed with her because she's becoming such a train wreck and there's all these insane allegations against her. 
and I I wouldn't even think about the music aspect. I would just be wanting to know like all the crappy things she's done, and like I'm one of those people, so I'd have to find all of it out. You don't know who Kirill Petrenko is? No, the current conductor for the Berlin Philharmonic. Isn't the isn't there not a Berlin Philharmonic though? Um, this quick Google I did says <laughs> I, say, I, like, I love how your eyes are just starting towards back towards your computer. <laughs> and even like you know what's interesting is you look at the concert hall where they're practicing, and I was like, oh, are they gonna like move to another space to do this? Like this doesn't seem very big. And it's just the same concert hall. Like, it's just looks like a, it doesn't look like a community center, but it doesn't look like the Sydney Opera Hall or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And th- writing this script, I don't know how Todd Field did it. It's, it's just, it is so ridiculously dense, but it's vibe. The movie is vibey enough that you're following along the whole time. At least that's how I felt. I didn't understand like 70% of the dialogue. And I think that's probably on purpose. Oh, yeah, there's so many parts where Blanchette's just speaking gobbledygook, but you're just mm-hmm. listening to every word anyway because she's so good. And, like, the way she says it, like, you know what she said, even if you don't know any of the details. Like, mm-hmm. you know what she meant. It's like the Elon Musk effect. People are like, oh, he has a lot of money and, like, a lot of power. So, like, whatever he says is smart. And it's like, no, he's just a dumb guy with a lot of money. Like, but but he's tricked us into thinking, oh, maybe. Uh, I'm not going to say, uh, yeah, well, he's tricked people and maybe us to a degree into thinking that he's very smart when, I don't know. I think he did, but that we're past that now and no one thinks yes. that anymore. The second someone buys Twitter, that cesspool of a social media website, it's like, oh, you're not that smart of a guy. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, one thing that I thought um, was really interesting that you just said was the the you're totally right you don't have to die like you don't need subtitles on you don't need to pause and like look up what she's referencing it's like the way that the movie's written i i think it comes across very social network to me like it's it's a masterpiece you that's how i felt walking away from the theater was like oh my goodness that was it was it was so like you said spencer earlier meticulous it was perfect it's ex- it feels exactly like what todd field intended um at, that I I came away from it very much like that that felt like the social network because you you don't need to know how to go start a social media company any of that um computer engineering but you understand exactly what's happening you understand the human relationships the implications and the character study that they conduct for Lydia Tar at the beginning of the movie draws you in so fast that you just like okay I have to see this through to completion so I Blanchett's like it's my favorite thing I've ever seen her in she's so magnetic like at least for me, it's just every time she's on the screen, you're just completely locked to it. it yeah. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. I have it in a suite and I have it like right there tied with everything ever all at once for being the best, best movie of the year. May depending on my mood, they, they kind of have been switching back and forth. Um, I, I will just feel, s- mm-hmm. oh, sorry. I will say though, I don't think it will win best picture, even though I think it is the best picture. It's pretty mm. because I think it's too uh, niche, and the Oscars want movies like Coda to win. So I will throw this in. I have tickets today. I have a buddy that reached out. Shouts out Seth Oris. He has an early screening. Go see the Fablelands today. So I'm going to go see that today. Oh, yeah. very jealous. That's I'm very awesome, excited. Dude. 
So, uh, shouts out. Thanks, Seth, for the invite. I will probably give a little peek of what my grade is. That is my very early, early reaction of what's going to win Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's still favored and I, everything that I read and listen to, I, I think it's pretty favored to win. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for me, I, uh, everywhere, everything everywhere all at once is still number one because it made me cry. And at the end of the day, that, that holds a lot of sway right at the end. So, those are the clear one and two. I keep yeah. debating which is which, but those are the top two for sure. I I stuck with this. I I don't think everything ever all at once is going to win any Academy Awards this year. No, no, I don't think it is either. Sandra O oh better win, or I'm gonna. I think Blanchett. I I, Blanchett, I, 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 I do think. She she has to compete with Kate Blanchett, and it's like yeah, Blanchett's gonna win. That's ugh. yeah. <laughs> but there could be the legacy aspect because Kate Blanchett, I think, has won two already. That gets Sandra Yo the. And especially with how like the changing landscape of the academy, I or think Sandra Yo still has a very good chance. But Kate yeah. Blanchett is magnetic in this; she's so good. I think they misplayed their hand by releasing it so early in the year. I just don't think they expected it to. I think I they think knew it was really good, good, but those, yeah, I don't know. Well, everything everywhere is sort of like it's like it was a movie that movie people liked but it was able to get past that a little bit mm-hmm. which i think That's is what people people were not expecting like i think they knew like movie people will like this but it kind of broke out of that a tiny bit i mean it, it broke out of the darn but there's I, I i took some people to go see it again and they're just like that was the strangest thing i've ever seen <laughs> what did you just do to me? yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think it made 125 million dollars at the box office so like Pretty, pretty. I think on a twenty million dollar budget, so That's awesome, awesome returns. Good really that. good, really cool. Um, curious to see how Tar is performed. All the movie people that I know that have watched it liked it. I went with a group of friends last night, and they thought it was boring. And I was like, "How dare you?" I was, I was just as enthralled the second time as I was the first time. So uh, I, I don't know. And I, there's just so many subtle things that come back. She talks mm. she talks down to the kind of composers that compose like video game like <laughs> like concert things and then at the very end that's what she's doing that's what she's been reduced to I guess but the, arguably it's more important because you get more tons people more people to show up The thing about Tar that's a little sad I mean I could be wrong but we talk about how like the 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 classical music's kind of a niche so, like most people don't care I feel like Tar is in that category of high profile, high quality film that most normal people don't even know exists. So yep. it's sort of proving its own point a little bit. Which I'm seeing yeah. I'm seeing Tar has grossed <clears throat> three point two million in one week. What was the budget? Uh I don't know. But I imagine That's- that's I would imagine that seems solid. Tar budget. Let's see. Let's see if it'll just. Uh, oh, financial. Let's see. Domestic box office. The numbers. Um. Okay. I can't see what it's was made for. I went can't to Wikipedia see. and typed in tar, and it brought up the history of the the material. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes, we all suggest everyone go see tar. 
it is a dense movie, but I think it's a movie that's well worth your time. So I think it's sweet. I mean, honestly, I think anyone could go watch it and get a lot of good stuff out of it. And we kind of just barely scratched the surface on all of the meanings you could get from it. Yeah. It needs to be uh, a theater movie, though, because it's just <laughs> if I watched it at home, I wouldn't have I would have gotten distracted by stuff. I completely agree. Yeah, I would, too. Okay. Next movie that I think is a movie that anyone could watch theater or at home, but you got to watch it in the theater because it looks so great is the Banshees of Inishirin, written and directed by Martin McDonough. Two friends living on the Irish island of Inishirin in the 1920s, Calm and Podrick have a friendship falling out and it's and it's Podrick trying to understand why is my friend not want to be friends with me while Calm the friends trying to get through his midlife crisis and discover his identity all while being trapped on this Irish island that uh, near the end of the movie feels more like a prison than home. And uh, you know what, Nick, let's, let's go to you. What, what were your thoughts on the Banshees of Inishirin? Martin McDonough previously directed uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri and in Bruges, seven psychopaths. And he's a stage uh, playwright as well. Yeah, I, I think, um, like I, I said earlier, this was one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, I I had a great viewing experience for In Bruges. I don't remember what the view, where I was, what I saw, what I was doing, but I remember walking away just loving In Bruges, and that's, um, you know, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, and then directed by Martin McDonough. So I was very excited to see those three come back together and see what they would do. Um, I really, really enjoyed the film. Um, I think I may have hyped it up a little too much in my mind. Um, I was really, really excited to, to just be rolling like I was with in Bruges, but, um, it, it's very comedic, very funny, very heavy. Um, it's definitely a, a dark comedy, but, um, I, I think the images that, um, Martin McDonough puts together are just absolutely gorgeous. The, the, hub that they're in it's just it's so beautiful um i i love taking pictures that's something that i love to do um in my free time and i i love having things a little darker than they might be and that's like the exact palette for this movie it's like the shadows are so deep but then the light that comes through is just it's so beautiful i it's it's probably the most beautiful movie I've seen this year, as far as the the images that are composed by um, Martin McDonough, Martin McDonough and the cinematographer Ben Davis, so um, really really enjoyed the the visual side of it. Um, yeah, I won't pontificate much, <laughs> talk too much about it, but um, yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful movie. Thank you for using the word pontificate in our uh, snobby film talk episode. <laughs> that that was that's that's a very good one to use. Spencer, what did you think? Uh, I loved it. I agree with everything Nick said. Um, something to add, I think... Uh, I don't know how many actual like breakup movies I've seen, but this has got to be one of the best. Um, it's about a friendship, a platonic friendship, but like it's a breakup movie, and it hits all of the, the feelings and the confusion that comes with a breakup. Um, which I just found amazing because it's so funny because it's like uh, Holmes literally trying to ghost his friend, but they live on a tiny island with 20 people. Like, that's what the movie is. And 
honestly it reminded me of a time in college where a girl dumped me and she lived like a block away and was like in the same friend group as me and i like basically was colin farrell in that situation and was probably just as annoying as he is sometimes and uh, i was just like kind of thinking about that the whole time (laughs) i was watching it and um by the end it's about something completely different but like the first half where it's more silly um really just took me back to those times uh which i found surprising i didn't expect that from it um but then it goes into uh being about much deeper almost existential things that have really been stuck in my head since then it's there's one scene in the movie that I think sums up everything as a whole is both of our characters. Colm has a sweet little dog that he follows around and Podrick has this beautiful little horse, his little pony. <laughs> and uh, they're both going up to the bar. You know, the whole movie is basically they're at each other's houses and they're at the pub and then they're at each other's houses again, <laughs> kind of back and forth occasionally at the town square. And Colm has left his dog just out there, just outside, outside of the pub, not on a leash or anything like that. And Podrick leads his pony up with the leash and ties it against the pub. And I think that that represented both characters very well as Colm is still trying. Colm, in, in, in his brain and in his mind, he's moving on and he's let go. He's able to kind of let his dog roam free because he understands his dog is his willing companion. He has his own life. If he wants to, he can come back. Whereas Podrick is desperately clinging to every person around him, trying to make sure that they don't leave him again. Um, you know, his mom has died. Uh, I think his dad is also dead in the back. I'm sure Colm's parents are gone too. But you see these guys have different attachment to things. And then whereas Colm is like, gives the illusion that he's free. He's still like trying to just make friends with all the most random people that he can. While Podrick's like, what happened to my friends? I don't need more friends. Uh, And it goes down to this um, midlife crisis that Colm is having of, you know, Podrick says it's good to be nice. And Colm thinks that a man can't just have a legacy based on nice. They need to create and give something back to the world. And it does bring up this important, this interesting aspect of what is the legacy that we're bringing? What is the legacy that we leave behind? And I thought that that was a very cool theme of if I were to die today, or if any of us were to die today is being nice, good enough. And I don't know. What do you think? Is it, is it, is a legacy good enough as if you were nice to your immediate friends? And is that good enough? I say, yes, I don't know what you'll say Spencer, but I mean, I, I don't know. I I don't want to get into too many details with the movie in case anyone hasn't seen it, but if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it before you listen. Um, But in in the, in the pub, when um, (laughs) Colm's like Mozart, Mozart, he's a, he's a person who's contributed to humankind. He has a legacy that'll live on. And he's, he lived in the 18th century and he totally misdates Mozart. And, or was it, did he say 17th either way? Yeah. Yeah. He (laughs) he says 17th and it's 18th. He he misdates Mozart. And I I think, I mean, sure. There, there are, once you start to grapple with legacy and once you start to try to establish your own, you open up the door of tears of legacy um, where (laughs) give it another 200 years and our, you know, 20th, 21st century heroes are, going to be mostly forgotten and there will be a handful of those names 
that that stand through. Zuckerberg, he'll be around in 200 years. I mean, you think about it, like what (laughs) filmmakers are still remembered from 100 years ago that like normal people could say, oh, yeah, this person. Yeah. So especially in the arts, I mean, your contribution has to just be monumental. And 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 even then you, you think about the philosophers who have been remembered from the classics and the, that legacy has been reasserted after the dark ages. It's humankind trying to go back and grapple and reclaim, you know, former greatness. Um, think of all of the, I don't know. I don't want to get too fun. <laughs> I, I think there are tears to that greatness that you unlock the tears to that legacy. And it's just like to- child advancement. Oh, There's tears to it. Yep. Yes. Um, no, but it's it's better to focus, in my opinion, on just being a good person and creating good around you. I feel like that's what Nick said is sort of the... I felt that's what the movie was communicating, because Colm's whole like journey to create a legacy seems very joyless, and he just seems frustrated all the time. Like There, there are those scenes where the you know dominic says oh that's the happiest i've ever seen him and he's sitting over in the corner talking with his new main oh friend. true but so, he's, he's he's not he's just always like kind of grumpy that's kind of who he is but yeah and i think that's because you see a lot of him through podrick's perspective and it's when podrick's yeah. around but and i think the point totally stands though because by the end of the movie he's missing five fingers and he's still having a conversation with him on the beach right like they're still the talking beach, the pains he went to to create, the pains he went to to establish legacy, and at the end of the day, he's injured and sitting on the same beach waiting for that same inevitable death. And in a sense, his legacy has now been established as the stupid guy that cut his hand off. His I, friend would stop, wouldn't stop bothering him. <laughs> well, that's that's what I said to Brianna on the way home after the movie was um, like. The the crazy guy on Inishiran who threw his fingers at the door of a friend and cut them up like that legend is going to go much further and live much longer than his song probably will. And there will be songs written about the banshees of Inishiran, yeah. the two friends that tr- that couldn't leave each other alone to the fact where one of them cut his hand off to get the other one to stop bothering him. I also thought there was an interesting kind of look at like incel, like nice guy culture of Podrick saying, "I'm a nice guy, I'm a good guy." And um, we haven't even talked about Barry Keown's character, who's maybe the best part of the movie, who eventually is like, you're not a nice guy. You're kind of a you're kind of a jerk. I kind of hate you. Like, I thought you were really nice. Now that I'm around you more, I kind of see why he doesn't like you. And I liked to see that of, you know, we we see these people. Uh, Barry Keown's character is Dominic. He's kind of painted as this village idiot who's not very smart. Um, because he drinks a little bit too much, but he is like, he's actually a very capable character. He's a fun character and provides a lot more of the niceness than Podrick claims to carry. Mm-hmm. He's just the son of the police officer that beats him. And uh, he does bring a lot. And Oh my gosh, he's the funniest part of the movie. Barry Keown's oh, character. He's is the perfect. Movie. He's absolutely perfect. And what range Barry Keown has to be like the little skeevy, yucky, gross idiot from a, uh, killing of a sacred deer to now being kind of the village idiot in Banshees of Inishirin. He's just so good in everything I see him in. I think um, something that I just kind of made the connection that's in both of the movies we're talking about and Tar as well is like Tar is Lydia's wanting to be this wonderful conductor hero person. And then we have, 
Colm wanting to build his legacy based off of his music and stuff. But both in the end, though, both of their goals and their plans are ruined because of other people and because they put their their goals and their striving for legacy ahead of the people that they're around right now to the point where it's like your goal to have this great legacy is making your current life not very fun. And it's like, by the time you've established this legacy that you wanted, you're not going to be around anyway. So is it really worth it? Like that's kind of something I got from both of the movies. It's like, Legacy is cool, but also if you worry about it all your life, you'll never actually see what it is. Like you won't survive to see it. And That's you probably the- won't have it. Right. And it's not going to be what you think it is, even if it's there. Like this is stupid, but we all, I, re- I still remember Ken Bone from six years ago. <laughs> that goofy dude that asked a question and had the glasses and the weird mustache and the red sweater from that, oh na- from gosh, that, that town hall thing. And I'm sure he went to that town hall just dressed like a normal guy around the election, ready to ask a question. And when he did, everyone remembered who he was, and everyone went to him, went as him for Halloween that year too. And he was and not worried about his, his legacy. legacy yeah, there it is. Like, sorry, you didn't even think you would be. And uh, hey, Ken Bone, you're now the the guy with the sweater and the shirt with the glasses who asked the question. Congrats. Yeah, hey, you know, and it's not a terrible legacy either. It's just he didn't plan for that. I don't think we plan for what our legacies are going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's just my take. I also gave this one an A suite, two bangers of movies, very opposite ends of the spectrum. I think this one's a little worse than Tar, but worse is not even maybe the word I should use. It's just a step, maybe even half a step lower than than Tar is. Yeah, like they're both they're both A's. I would only say like I've thought about Tar more and I've talked about Tar just a little more. So that's the only real difference for me. Yeah. But I, I think what do or think what do you what do you think, Nick? Where where are they for you? Yeah, I agree. I have uh Tar sitting a little higher. Um I think it, it might just be the momentum that the movie carries. Like you walk out of the theater just like, whoa, and um Banshees is much quieter um it kind of winds its way to its conclusion um which is you know perfect for the story it's telling you you watch them winding across the the different paths on Inishirin for two and a half hours because that's the 1920s in in very very rural Ireland right so it's they're very different movies um again walking out of tar very much like that was that was a masterpiece and and I think this one is I'm, I'm going to remember it very fondly. I'll, I think I need to see it again. Um, it, it didn't sink in quite as quickly for me as Tar has. Um, it, it's definitely more of a piece you need to chew on, um, in my opinion, at least. So I, I definitely have Tar just a little bit above Banshees as well. I do have to say, though, Banshees does have one thing Tar doesn't, and that is top-tier uh, animal reaction shots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like... They, they'll they just cut to an animal's face like it's reacting to whatever's happening. Like, there's an excellent shot of a bunch of goats. There's just one shot of them, but, like, yes, that one shot, it's like, these are important characters in this story, and then you never see them again. But well, and, 
Yeah, and the way that they do it too, it's not like they snap to a, a goat's reaction in the middle of a conversation and then come back to that same conversation. It's like these filler scenes after the pub, they go and get some some footage of the goats and the the birds on the rocks, and then you're back at the house. And it's like I I, I think kind it's kind of transitional it editing you down exactly. It's like okay, you're at the pub. Let's take 45 minutes to walk across this Ireland or this uh, this island in Ireland back home. Let's look at some birds, right? Like, I, I think it was perfect. I loved it, too. Mm-hmm. Also, probably the hardest I've laughed in a movie theater all year. Like, up there with Jackass Forever. I laughed a lot in this. And it's not just like, oh, it was like full-on very fun, mainly coming like from Barry Keoghan's character. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, he is so funny. Colin Farrell saying, huh, is like just beautiful. It's so good. He's really uh, probably what the front runner for best actor. Can't think I could of many see other that. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, he's kind of due for it. Barry Keoghan is maybe best supporting. That'd be cool. Not that he wins it, but I, I'm curious to see, especially where they put Brendan Gleeson's character. If he gets best, you know, best actor, if he gets best supporting, I would imagine supporting. He's more of supporting. That'd be interesting. Best actor. But um, okay. Tar, Banshees of Inishirin, two great movies that are out right now. Go check them out. Go have a good time at the movies. Um, Banshees is maybe a little bit more of a fun time, but Tar is definitely going to like give you a lot to think about after it's done. So, two good times at the movies. Now we're going to blast y'all with some overlooked films of 2022. Um, I want to start off with one that I uh, made like no money. It came out like two months ago and never saw it, and that is George Miller's follow-up to Mad Max Fury Road in 3,000 Years of Longing. I'm still mad I didn't see it. I had a lot of fun with this. It was a yeah, cute little romantic film. Tilda Swinton. Um, oh my gosh, what is his name? I can't think of his Idris. name. Idris Elba is like this genie and telling little stories, enjoying each other's time. I liked it a lot. I think I would like it. I, I just need to go see it. I yeah, I too. Yeah. Who wants to go next? Who's got another one? I can go. Okay. Um, I don't know. I like in my like letterbox like movie person community. I wouldn't say this is overlooked, but I just feel like Marcel the Shell should have been like a big hit. Like totally, I totally. I forgot to put very, that one on my list, but that's true. It's very accessible. I think anyone could think it. Find it funny. It's not very long. It's very cute. I don't know. I feel like it should have been a bigger hit than it was. Would it have been bigger if they had animated the whole thing? Maybe, but I, I recognize that's not where Marcel the Shell lives. But yeah, like a I lot of no. audiences looked at it as like this is a baby movie, but it's not like one you would take your kids to necessarily. Yeah, I I love the visual style of it, so it's hard for me to even imagine a different way. Um, I could see doing that, but also like if you if it was completely animated but still the same movie, it would have been kind of a waste. I don't know. It's not about like movement, I guess. It's like everything's like a just one shot and you have these little stop motion things talking. And it's really charming. And I don't know how that would go over if it was like fully animated. I don't know. Hmm. But it makes sense what you're saying because it's like it's pretty weird. Did, did <laughs> I just, just think it's Matt Damon in it. <laughs> it feels like we it, bought a zoo, you know. It's like one of those. Yeah. Like, 
very lighthearted, family-friendly movies that isn't like a kid's movie necessarily, so a little mm-hmm. difficult to market. Yeah. It is, yeah, I and I'm right there with you. I remember seeing it the day it came out and then tr- looking to see if it was playing in Utah, and it was like, weirdly not playing in Utah for like another week? And yeah. it just felt like they kind of fumbled it with the release of Marcel the Show. It should have been much more, and I think, I wonder if it's because A24 hasn't done much PG stuff, because Marcel the Show is PG. Like, this is something that every family should have gone out to see, and I don't know, it makes me think that maybe they just didn't understand how to market what they have. But because of it, the guy that directed Marcel the Shell is now going to direct the Lilo and Stitch live-action movie and incorporate the, the same. the most, like, mixed news I've ever heard, because <laughs> I'm happy for him. Lilo and Stitch is one of my favorite Disney movies. Why, why are they remaking it? That is such a waste of everyone's time. Honestly... Anyway, sorry. Uh, you know, I would generally say yes, but as someone who's Hawaiian, not yeah. not a lot of not a lot of Hawaiian movies coming out. So even if it's a live action Lilo and Stitch, I guess I got to take what I can get. Like they, if they don't get Lilo right, then it's a waste. Like because Lilo is so funny in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Would you rather see? Would you rather see? Um... Uh, live action Lilo and Stitch or animated Fifty First Dates? <laughs> <laughs> live action Lilo and Stitch. Okay, all right. Definitely. Yep. What a Sophie's the choice. Only that two is. Hawaiian movies. You should have done an animated Pearl Harbor movie. Maybe I would have. Maybe oh, I would have picked that one. There we go. I can say that as someone whose great grandpa died in Pearl Harbor. I gotta okay. make that joke. Um, yeah, Marcel the Shell. That's a great one. Uh, Nick, what's what's an overlooked one? Um, I think that this is the the most recent one on my list, so I'll, I'll go with it. Um, Confess Fletch, I think, was um, it kind of dropped into theaters, was there for like two weeks, and then it was gone. I, I don't even think it made $5 million. So um, for anyone not familiar with Confess Fletch, it's um, a, 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 a reboot. It's not a remake, but a reboot of a... a, a I guess it's a a series that they released a couple, but it's from the eighties. Um, but this is John Hamm um, playing a roguishly charming and endlessly troublesome character. I'm reading something here if you can't tell, um, but he becomes the prime suspect in a murder case uh, while he's trying to help a girlfriend with some some stolen art from their family. So I think it's a movie. If I remember right, I feel it came out in eighty five. Yeah, they're like oh sorry, Chase it, was in a few of them. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. when I say series, I, I meant just like a couple of movies. Oh, were... oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, Chevy Chase is in it. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen any of the original Fletches, but um, I I thought this was really fun. Um, very big John Hamm fan. Um, it takes place in in Boston, so you get some some fun scenes there, but it's, it's just like a little whodunit. He spends a lot of time... Um, <laughs> interacting with the cops who are um, in, in investigating him for murder. Um, so a, a lot of funny interactions there. Um, but it's this, I think, a, a really well-contained little buck and a half comedy that um, no one really went to see. So if you I think like it's on Peacock, comments, right? Um, that sounds right. Yeah, that sounds right. I got to say, the name is so awkward. Like Paramount Plus. Okay. Paramount Plus is where it's on. The the name Confess Fletch just like does not work for me. Like that just seems like an awkward name for a movie. 
What about Hail Caesar? I will never criticize the Coen brothers, so. <laughs> but uh, maybe same mistake since no one saw Hail Caesar. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm I'm just going to round off the, the other few that I have. Um, Emergency was a fun one from Sundance that's on Amazon Prime right now. It's uh, these kids go on like this, uh, like, I think it's a Halloween night frat party tour and they're two black kids and they stumble upon basically like what they think is a murder. And they're like, do we call the police? And kind of this one night, what's going to happen? Um, The Bad Guys, really fun animated mu- movie that's on Peacock. I watched that on uh, 4th of July this year. The Outfit, another movie on Peacock. It's like a one room, definitely made during COVID movie with, um, oh my gosh, Mark Roylance, Dylan O'Brien, Zoe Deutsch, all really good. Uh, kind of a whodunit mystery in one place ambulance i just feel like not a lot of people saw ambulance and i had a blast with ambulance in the theater and same with becky we loved it i don't know anyone that's watched ambulance and then cha-cha real smooth um i watched shit house for the first time this year cooper rafe is just gonna be a ginormous talent that um i don't think maybe the same level as Oh my gosh, uh, Babylon director. What's his name? Whiplash. Chazelle. Chazelle. He's not a Damien Chazelle per se, but I don't think he's trying to. He's good at writing dialogue. He's got good characters and very grounded stories. So those are kind of my choices of overlooked movies that I don't know if y'all have too, but kind of curious to see what else y'all have. Um, I I have two more. They're both. They're both. I think they're overlooked because they were streaming movies, not they weren't released in theaters. So. The first came out like beginning of the year, I think it was called Apollo Ten and a Half. Oh and yeah, it's, uh, Richard Linklater. It's a movie. It's a fictionalized version of him growing up in Houston, and his dad worked at NASA, and it's rotoscoped, so it's kind of animated, and um, it's very just kind of like stream of conscious about kids being kids, which normally is not my favorite, but something about it really clicked for me, and I just really loved it so it's on netflix i highly recommend it it's only it's it's like anyone can watch it too it's like pg um and then the other one also on netflix is intergalactic which is kid cuddy's movie i guess (laughs) i don't have an opinion on kid cuddy but it's it's exactly in the style of into the spider-verse like that animation style completely but it's telling a more grounded um just like romantic comedy story, but it still does enough to justify being an animated movie. And it's very cool and very funny. And I don't know why people haven't watched it. Okay. I, and me even being a big kid Cuddy fan, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I thought you would see it. Cause I know you like him. So yeah, it's intergalactic with starting with an E by the way. Um, I only had two other ones that I wanted to mention here. Um, the the first one is Navalny. It's a I saw uh, that. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a documentary about um, one of uh, Vladimir Putin's, uh, I guess, primary challengers in Russia and the attempted assassination of Navalny. Um, it's absolutely insane. One of the 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 movie overall was kind of fine but there's one scene that is just like (laughs) one of the most riveting things i've ever seen in a documentary um 
he he basically gets the the chance to um, confront his uh, the attempted assassins um, over the phone. It is like my I had to pick my job off the floor. It was so so good. So um, I, I definitely recommend that for anyone interested in Russian politics. Um, it, it's it's a it's a good watch. And then the other one, kind of like you said earlier, Spencer. I don't think that this is overlooked um, in in movie circles, but RRR. Um, yes. Okay. Good. I was like, okay, is someone gonna pick RRR? I haven't seen it, but okay. Gotta pick RRR. No. Oh, so it's overlooked by you. Yes. Uh, th- this is actually a, a come to Jesus moment. We need you to see RRR before the end of the week. Yeah. That's the movie you need to watch with your students, dude. Oh man, I would. I would love to. <laughs> magic of movie making um it is a a tollywood movie um that is i don't remember the exact state but it, it's it's out of india not bollywood tollywood um but it is this like fever dream of dancing and fighting and british imperialism and standing up to the man and these communities coming together to survive under that imperialism but also to you know resist and it it is like i don't know it it somehow feels like you're watching it in like 12k i don't understand how they do it but whatever your the 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 pixel count on your tv is this movie will dial it up by five times and you just get sucked into the color and the vibrancy and these um really really interesting characters so um kind of a i guess i haven't said anything about what actually happens in the movie just those themes but it's two um, two people, uh, one person working for uh, the imperialists, for the British, one person who is um, kind of like this. He, he lives in the forest. He, he's a, a very um, like rural tribe from a rural, rural tribe. And a, a, a little girl is stolen by this British governor. And so he goes on this quest to retrieve that girl. And these these two guys meet and kind of form this brotherhood together. So it's... Uh, I loved it. It's one of my top movies of the year, honestly. It's one of the most ridiculous things you could ever watch, but it it's really entertaining. Agreed. It's uh the the scene where the two guys meet each other is like it's one of the most memorable things I've ever seen. Like you just like it's uh filmmaking that America like literally would not make because we're too cynical here and we couldn't even conceptualize of how this no it, like it's it's it's, it's like a whole different totally thing totally something else yeah yeah I think there are like four separate title cards for the movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you <laughs> get a title card for each R yeah basically as as they move through early stages establishing the background it's yeah it's <laughs> oh okay. There you go, everyone. There's a lot of movies right there. I know RRR is on Netflix or was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it still is, but it um, is. there's there's a lot of stuff right now that you can go watch that have come out that's come out this year and is well worth your time. So uh, check it out. Check out Banshees of Inisherin and Tar. This is a great take. This was take. Oh gosh, I got to double check which one it is. Two oh seven. Next take is our Black Panther Wakanda Forever take. Which, oh, this is 208. This is take 208. Take 208. And take 209 on the slate is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'm, I've been waiting a lot of time for this. Very excited. excited. Seeing, it fr- seeing it Friday. And then today I'm seeing Fable which I just really hope.
So, Nick, Spencer, thank you for coming on. And as always, stay very sweet. Sweet. Mm-hmm.